0: lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health, and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson.
1: So we have a great show today, a show that's really personally interesting to me. Lisa Strauss-Lorick is a bereavement specialist. She lives on Long Island in New York State with her significant other. She has two children and three granddaughters. She has been living with death all her life, from the time that her mother died when she was two, her father died when she was 30, her adopted mom died when she was 46, and her husband died when she was 55. Her two support books are meant to show people that they are not alone and that they can learn from others who understand their situations. She offers one-on-one counseling based on her own circumstances and that of many others that she's spoken with. Her educational background in counseling supports that work. Remember that the journey is your own, but we can help and support you so that you don't feel alone. Lisa, thank you so much for being with me today.
2: Thank you so much, Lee, and thanks for that introduction. I don't want anybody to think that I feel sorry for myself and have had a depressing life, okay? This is really about a celebration of life, whether you've only had 26 years like my biological mother, or whether you've had 72 years like my adopted mom, or whether you've lived a long life, um, makes no difference. It really is how you look at life and um, how you decide to live your life. It's really a bad attitude. Lee, you know, there are many things we can't control, but I have to tell you, you really can't control your attitude, your passion for life and what you want out of your life. And that's what Absolutely. I
1: believe. You can, but Lisa, so you know, one of the reasons I'm so interested in learning more is when I was 12, my dad died. When I was 21, my twin brother died. When I was 35, my other brother died. and in between all of that there's been, there was grandparents and and when my dad died, I'll never forget he had lost a lung in World War II. We had oxygen tanks in our house. so it wasn't it wasn't like completely out of the blue but and he had been in and out of the BA hospital. But when it happened, I was so just blown Mm -hmm. away. And I'll never forget, you know, after the funeral, people come over, they bring food. And I was so offended because people were at my house and they were laughing and they Mm -hmm. were having a good time. And I'll never forget. I mean, I was only 12 years old, but I was thinking, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. You know, and what they were doing was celebrating the life. And what I was doing Mm -hmm. was being stuck in the grief. So, Mm It's so but to give hard. you
2: yeah, but you know what to give you a little break here, um, children also um, it's a way different world for children whether you're a young child like me and obviously I don't remember my biological mother um, or whether you're a teenager, I mean there's so much, um, that will affect how you look at things. And for you at 12, I think that was very appropriately. I really do. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense for everybody to still be laughing and that person's not there anymore. Um, and that's bewildering to to you know to kids. Um, and so I wouldn't beat yourself up about that at all. Um, you know, nowadays, there are so many books. You know, Mr. Rogers came out with books. Um, you know, there's preschool things. There's a lot that we didn't have, you know many, many years ago. And now we have, you know, a lot more discussions. We've got support groups. We have you know parents without partners. We have, you know all kinds of um, alternatives. But in those days, um people didn't want to talk about it. People didn't want to refer to it. Uh, which is, by the way, more hurtful for the child because that child wants to still have that person, you know, near them, at least in their heart. So, you know, for me, um, it's it really is all about celebrating life. But if you do look back at at what you went through, I'm sure it was just so devastating and so very difficult. Um, And I'm probably now they have many support groups for, you know, young Um, you know, teenagers and, you know, that kind of age group. So, um, you know, again, there's so much that influences all of us, Um, you know, when it happens, how it happens, the relationship that we've had with the person there, you know, and then even how they died. And my father went on vacation. He was 57. I was 30. And I remember speaking to him that, that the night before, And he said to me, you know, I feel a little tired. I don't think I'm going to drive as much, which was very unusual for him because he drove all the time. And he was up in Toronto. And then the next day, I get a phone call in the middle of the night saying he had a massive coronary and died in like two minutes. Um, You know, just shock, shock. And, you know, meantime, my biological mother was killed by a car uh, running across the street. Um, and she was 26. So and then the, the last two were, um, you know, people in you know, my, my adopted mom, I was in the hospital for seven and a half months, and I was there by her bedside all the time. And my husband who suffered from pancreatic cancer for 15 months. So, you know, there's a lot that determines how you're going to feel and what you're going to go through. But I think what I really want people to know is that we can make this road a little easier. I'm not saying that you don't miss the person I'm not saying that your life will be the same because it won't, but I am saying that there are ways to help us out uh to help ease burden. I think people who are parents need to know that. I think that you know spouses you know widows need to understand that um and I think that we all need to get better on board with that death is part of life.
1: It really is I think you're right, and I think that you know how you define grief. Is it's different for everybody. And I saw a definition from Dr. Catherine Shear. She's a professor of psychiatry at Columbia University in New York and she calls grief the form that love takes when someone we love dies. Yes. And I thought, Wow, yes. that that really you know, that hits it on the head because there are so many different different definitions of Greece, everybody defines it differently. But what most people define it as, it's a feeling, like a sadness.
2: Yes, yes. I remember at my mother's funeral, um, the rabbi said to us, um, the determination of how somebody has affected us mm -hmm. is by the amount of tears that somebody cries. Um, You know, tears are a good thing. It does show that that person had a huge effect in our life and that we're not just going to say, "Okay, that's it. You know, we're moving on. They you know, that grief is with us. And it and it shows that that person, you know, is part of us. And and by the way, I believe always part of us. And I want to make sure that we do talk about ways that we keep these people with us, even though they may not be physically with us.
1: There's so many things we can do. Absolutely. You know, and I love the way you come at it. I come at it more from the science way, how the grief rewires your brain mm. and it and it rewires it and it can affect your personal health. Yes. I mean, yes. the yes. physical effect of grief, that yes. stems from how our brains respond. And I saw a really interesting study, a 2014 study that showed within 30 days of their partner's death, people ages 60 and older had more than twice the risk of a stroke or heart mm, attack mm, I believe com- that. compared to mm-hmm. people who hadn't suffered such a loss. Yes. So, yes. I mean, it really does. And, and mm-hmm. I think that, you know, what it does is it puts our brain into that fight or flight response mm-hmm. and our heart starts racing. Our blood pressure goes yes. up. We can't breathe. We become sweaty. Our eyes might, might dilate. I mean, yes. all of that. And when we go there, then we just get stuck. Yes, yes.
2: And we're angry or we're overwhelmed or we're depressed and can't even get up in the morning. I mean, there's such a, a process here. Um, and the people who don't realize that they need to be good to themselves and and just um, like a child be taken care of. This is, by the way, the time where you allow yourself to... to um, you know for for people who want to bring the food like you mentioned or people who want to help you out with anything this is the time to say yes you know I'd love that thank you um because it's very hard for some people to ask for help but those phone calls and those visits um, and the people who say you know I'm here for you and I'd love to help you out with such and such or come with me that is incredibly helpful and so important, especially in the beginning. It's like a yin yang, you've lost your balance, you know, whether it was a spouse, because, you know, you did so many things together. I mean, for me, it was 33 and a half years from college. And, um, you know, soulmates, uh, you know, I couldn't even figure out how to do the bills, because we always did the bills together. And I was trying to figure out like what we used to do and I was just completely perplexed by it and something we had done for years. So your whole balance is out of kilter. And if it's a parent, you know, you feel a bit like an orphan now because now you don't have that person around who you would call up and say, you know, I wanna share with you about this. I wanna tell you about this. And they're not there. So, um, you know, by celebrating life, obviously, uh, we don't bring them physically back with us, but I'll tell you something the joy in, in the things that we can do to keep them with us in in our hearts and in our memories, it has gotten me through incredible amount of years. I, I'll tell you the story about my father because he died before Father's Day. And I remember saying to my mom, I don't think I'm going to get through Father's Day. I don't know what we're going to do. And then she told me that he had bought tickets to a special Olympics game that was down the street in a local college. And I said, you know what? We're going to go. We're going to go because this is what he wanted to do. And even though he's not with us, we're going to go do that. And I felt like he was with us that day because I knew that it was something that he wanted to do, you know, and I don't think that people realize that there are things like that, that you can do. I did, I did, I mean, those books, I knew I wanted support books and I knew I needed to do something because pancreatic cancer is so deadly. Um, And I knew nothing about it. Nothing. I didn't even know where the pancreas was, to you truthfully. Know nothing. Um, and so that first support book was, you know, let's find some people who are going through, the, who went through the same thing as me. And let's at least um, tell our stories, you know, the diagnosis and what were the treatments and where did we go? What did we do? What did we say? And I got 20 families to contribute to that first book and all the I money. Think
1: that's amazing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Because you know what? We're so unprepared for death. And for some of us, we feel so disoriented, some confused. We're like in a fog. And you know what the brain does is we try to disassociate from the emotional pain. So for you to reach out to those people and say, you know, it's okay. Let's talk about it.
2: I was on a listserv with thousands of people who all, you know, were affected by pancreatic cancer, and I put this out and I said, you know, my husband just died about a month or so ago, and I said, and I'm looking to put together some kind of support book. We wouldn't get paid. All the money goes to research for our local organization here called Lustgarten Foundation. And who's in? (laughs) And a bunch of people said they would do it till they found out that it's going to take, you know, probably a couple months and it's going to take some real honesty. And I want the stories. I don't want, you know, things made up. Um, And I ended up, as I said, with 20 people who I'm still friends with today, by the way. And I'm 12 years out. Most of them are about 10 to 11 years out. Um, And I had, by the way, four survivors in that first book. Um, And, uh, you know, we've connected, obviously, from tragedy, but each of us have have felt that we've done something important to help others. And then the second book, by the way, I decided that we should do a follow-up. Like, what happens after all these years? And, you know, the first year, the third year, the fifth year, the tenth year, what happens to us? What happens to our families? What are the changes in our lives? And so I put together the second book, which just came out on September 3rd. And out of those 20 families, I've got 12 of them. um, And we all felt that we were doing something important by at least showing that um, life does go on. That's why I called it Families Move On. And life does go on, though it's not the way we thought it would be. None of us. None of us expected. You have no idea how life is going to change. You can plan. You can dream. Whatever. But life just goes on. And time just um, happens. And then you see. That some things are amazing. Uh, They're they're amazing that they've happened. Um, Lee, I want to read you something because um, it's really the premise of this whole thing. In the back of my book, uh, and by the way, the cover at the back of it has my husband and I at our favorite place called Chittenango Falls in Syracuse. And that was 1975, Okay, My partner and I, we've been together 10 years, my partner and I went back in 2019 to the same place. And I took a picture with him. And so the picture with my husband when we were at Syracuse and the picture of my partner now in front of the same place, it was just so amazing. Um, Amazing to see that I could share that with him as well. Anyway, the back cover is a really beautiful poem that I want to read. Everybody who's listened to this, this is really the message about our loved ones and the people who have left us, okay? This poem is from Rabbi Sylvan Caymans, and it's just so lovely. So I'm just going to take a minute, okay, to read this. It says, at the rising of the sun and its setting, we will remember you. At the blowing of the wind and the chill of winter, we will remember you. At the opening of the buds and the rebirth of spring, we will remember you. At the blueness of the skies and the warmth of summer, we will remember you. At the rustling of the leaves and the beauty of autumn, we will remember you. At the beginning of the year and when it ends, we will remember you. For as long as we live, because you are part of us, we will remember you.
1: That's beautiful. And, you know, that we do remember those things. Yes. But it's hard for for some people. I know Mm -hmm. when my twin brother died at 21, I was driving over to meet him. And I knew knew something had happened. I had to pull my car over Mm -hmm. because I immediately went into uncontrollable tears. I had to pull my car over. And I was like, what is going on? Something's Mm -hmm. wrong. Something is wrong. And, you know, for a long time, when I thought of him, that's what I remembered and it took time it it took a lot of time to learn to, don't you know don't think about that mm-hmm. think about the concert that you had gone to with him the month before think about how mu- you know how much fun you had laughing mm-hmm. as you both were acting like idiots um mm-hmm. uh, it, it, but it's it's hard because the way the brain works i mean the brain the brain's job is to take care of you It's to protect you. It's the right side of the brain. It's constantly scanning for danger every day. And what does the brain remember? It remembers the negative. It remembers it holds on to that. So it takes a lot of work. You have to really stop and think about, what am I paying attention to? Lee, I I can't. You know what, Lee? I can't
2: even imagine. First of all, uh, a sibling because I'm an only child but secondly a twin so you're formed together you share you know incredible genes uh, together and a, and a life together i uh, to be honest with you I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you um so brain or no brain to be honest with you um tragedy is tragedy and The things I'm saying don't negate the kind of pain and the kind of suffering that people go through. I've thought in terms of this year, um, this past year, and people losing people like this, um, you know, unexpected, um, you know, with no, you know, just,
1: um, you know, (laughs) no preparation. Well I you know. make you make a really good point because people are talking about the second pandemic as the loss pandemic or the grief pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're studying this at Columbia University Center for Complicated Grief. Of mm-hmm. the DSM, which is uh, is the American Psychiatric Association viable, is gonna add prolonged wow. grief disorder. Wow. So I believe it. I believe it's, it. It's it's yeah. we've come to a point where And the stress level has been so extreme Mm -hmm. in 2020 and and it really hasn't gone away in 2021 Mm -hmm. um, that I think people more than ever need to find joy. However they find it, whether it's through journaling Mm -hmm. or whether it's through meditation or painting or faith, they need to find some joy around that love that they've lost. Yes, yes. That's true. That's true. So let me, let me go to, uh,
2: you know, people have different beliefs and all afterwards. Um, and some people obviously, you know, go visit graves and some people, you know, believe in cremation and all, um, I found an online memorial site that my daughter actually, uh, helped do because her friend, her dear friend, and this was, you know, she was pretty young then, um, died suddenly. He, um, Unfortunately, you know, had combined a little drinking with a little drugging and some things. Um, And I'll never forget the phone call that, you know, she's just so shocked. It was really the first death that she had experienced like that. Anyway, she found this eternal portal site and they did a really beautiful memorial, an online memorial for him. And I realized what a wonderful way to honor somebody. And I did that for my husband. And what's wonderful about it is that it's always there and virtually people leave flowers, they leave candles, there's a beautiful journal that we can journal in, there's you know guest book, there's uh, pictures that you can put in, there's music that can be played, and it's a lovely way of keeping that person sort of um, memorialized and there for you. I change his picture every season because I like to bring him with me each season. I mean, that might sound crazy, but You know, again, finding what is right for you and what brings you, um, you know, not only solace, but brings you to the point where you can celebrate that person uh, as as not the death, but the life. That's where that's where we would all hope that you would go, because none of us are going to be here forever, whether our life are cut short or whether we live a long, long life. Um, So and by the way, preparation is. even better if if you're able to do it. If you can leave a legacy book, if you can do some things that you've talked about, maybe get together with people or do some of the things that you really wanted to do or do a big party and all, you don't have to wait until you have a death sentence or, or anything like that. It really shows the importance of living life to the fullest, which I learned from a very, very young age. I was always, I guess, too serious in my life, but I had no choice, so...
1: Well, I think we learn that through life experiences. Because yes. I learned when I lost my twin brother at 21, mm. you better go to bed happy because mm. you you might not be waking up in the morning. Yeah. Seriously, that was that was my lesson that I took away. Because yeah. I, you know, he was 21 years old, mm. he was in college, mm. and you know, you better you better die happy. Yeah. And that's been my my motto ever since. And whether it's if I have something on my chest, I have to. I have to get rid of it. If I've had a fight with with my husband or with one of my boys, I can't go to bed mad. I can't go to bed with unspoken words. I have to, you know. And, and what I have found is just talking with others, yeah. getting that negativity, getting that hurt, getting that loss out of your head, mm-hmm. and. There's only you know a couple of ways to get it out of your head, either talk about it or write about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. yes. and
2: and some people are talkers, and some people are definitely you know they'd rather stay you know within themselves. Journaling is a great way of dealing with your emotions. But some people run off to support but you know, support groups. Um, you know widow widowers groups are are huge. Um, you know there's a lot of different kinds of groups there's activity groups where you just meet people who just want to have fun together you know just uh, just fun times as opposed to just sitting around and grieving and you know those bereavement groups that people say get them more depressed the important thing really is to find what works for you that everybody is different there may be similarities in grieving but that everybody's journey is different
1: well I think you're right and I think the What I see with some of my clients, when they lose somebody, they turn inward. They Mm -hmm. become, you know, they just isolate themselves. And they don't feel like they're connected with their friends and their family. They feel like they become strangers. And I think that's the only way to resist that is to be willing to open your heart and open your head to, to think that, you know, there is more to life. Mm -hmm. That does not You don't have to feel guilty. You Mm -hmm. don't have to feel shame. You don't have to feel blame. I mean, I did. Why am I 21 and I'm rocking the world? And why was he 21? And he, you know, Mm -hmm. he lost the opportunity, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to feel that. You just have to, you have to feel that. I think there's a level of acceptance. What do you think about that? Just accepting that things happen. I think you come to terms
2: with acceptance, but it's a process. Okay, because I think you have to deal first with anger, or you know, like you did. You know, why me? And how come I'm here? And they're not. I think that I think that you come to acceptance. Um, It's a. As I said, I think that it's a journey to it, Um, and then it's a
1: moving on with your life without that person. You go through the grief cycle. You go through the sad, the mad, the depression, the denial. And you go round and round and round, <laughs> but you know, in some people, that's a very difficult journey. They have yeah. nightmares. I've had a client say, "You know, I have nightmares about him dying, mm-hmm. and someone that died during COVID, and he died all by himself." Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. know, my response to that was, mm-hmm. "You know, you should write him a letter mm-hmm. and tell him tell him how you feel about not being able to be there mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. and whether you whether you read it to him, or whether yeah. you share it with a family member, write that letter, get that out of your head. That's, a great, well, yeah, she that's did. a great idea. Yeah, And she told me that afterwards, she read it to him. And she said, I know what I know he heard it, because mm-hmm. I felt him. She mm-hmm. said, there were things in there that I wrote that I knew he would really like. Wow. And I felt him, you know, I felt him mm-hmm. put his hand on my shoulder as I was reading that. She's like, do you think, do you think wow. that's real? And I said, absolutely, <laughs> I think that's real. So yeah. we've got, there's so much joy that can be expressed around death. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I know you have some specific strategies mm-hmm. that you can share.
0: Mm-hmm, I do. We'll be back after these messages. Find out more at com or by calling 903-287-0747.
1: studies show men are naturally capable of showing support to their wives they just do it at the wrong time according to psychology today when it comes to life's everyday hassles women say they are more supportive to their husband's stress But studies seem to prove otherwise. Women react more quickly to their partner's stress than men do, very swiftly or lickety-whittle. But even though men don't always spring into immediate action, they do eventually offer support. Seems part of the problem is, while women are very adept at reading their husbands, they are not very straightforward with letting their spouses know how they feel. Often this just leads to feelings of hostility or swiddling. That can lead to a drop-down, drag-out-up scuttle. So here's a little advice for you guys out there. No woman has ever shot a man while he was doing the dishes. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
0: We're back. Here's your host, Lee Richardson.
1: We're back and you know, you think about it, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard or I've even said, I don't think I can find peace, you know, with my family passing because they worked so hard and, and they, they were just taken away mm-hmm. and it is hard to find peace, but you have some specific things that people can do to help them find that peace.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially the first year, when you look at birthdays, uh, when you look at anniversaries, when you look at Father's Day, Mother's Day, all the things that people celebrate together. And as they come up, people dread them. What am I going to do? I don't have that person with me anymore. Um, And so there are a lot of things you can do. And I'm going to be very specific about where what happened with me with my father dying in 1984 um we went on a trip a couple of months after and uh we were we were in washington dc um and barbara streisand is one of my absolute favorite performers just a gifted person um and uh, my husband saw a a huge banner saying this new movie that had just come out called yentl I knew nothing about that movie. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was about. I had no clue. And he said, well, let's go. You always like Barbra Streisand. I go to this movie, and I cannot believe that it's about a father and a daughter. Um, And and at the very end of the movie, if you wait until all the credits are done, she says, and it's written, uh, this is dedicated to my father and all of our fathers. And I sat there saying, wow, it's like the universe sent me this movie. Um, and so for my father's birthday every year, I've played that movie since 1984. And I feel every year that I play it, I just relive the beautiful love that my father and I had together and the life we had together for 30 of my years. And I'm grateful. And it brings him it isn't depressing. It brings him to me. It brings him with me. Um, and again, these strategies are just mine. People will find their own. People will find what feels comfortable for them. Um, and I do have a, a number of movies that I play at different times. Um, in My Husband's Death, I play Ghost. You know, Ghost is a really interesting movie with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze, but I really... It's a powerful movie. Very powerful movie. so powerful. And Patrick Swayze, by the way, was diagnosed around the same time as my husband died seven months after, had a a wife named Lisa, and they were married for 33 years. So, um, you know, those similarities never left me at all. That movie is really beautiful. And so I play that. And again, that's something that is... um, you know again brings him to me and with me um so movies is one thing you look at jewelry uh people have all kinds of beautiful jewelry that can be repurposed i took my my wedding ring and i made it into a beautiful pendant um i took uh, his ashes and i made it i put it into a dove because my husband and i really love doves um you know there are things that are very symbolic that you take from your individual relationship and you bring it with you so it's not lost um those are just some examples Um, and anything else that you know you either used to do or do differently i'll tell you something that i've done differently but that it still brings out something important so my husband and i celebrate something called the winter solstice instead of it being a jewish holiday hanukkah or a christian holiday christmas we love celebrating december 21st that was our special holiday and that was a day that we would plant a really nice evergreen like usually a pine or something real live tree the tree um different from a christmas tree had life things on it not you know not ornaments but life uh hangings how i describe it but things places that we went to things that the children made so it was sort of a tree of life i guess you'd call it and we would always have fondue um i mean you know we had traditions okay and after he died i said what am i gonna do with this now the first year was really rough i i went away um, and I just treated myself to some time away. But after that, I started doing a girl's night out. And I would have the women, my dear friends, come over. We would have a fondue. we talk about our families. We talked about how we celebrated the holidays and what we remembered most. And it became such a tradition that women would say to me, I can't wait until next year on December 21st, where you going to invite me again. Um, and so, you know, again, a new tradition born out of something that was already a part of me. And people can do that. If you just open yourself up to um, a little imagination, a little creativity, but also realizing that the feeling, you can keep that same feeling, that beautiful feeling of love, of friendship, um, that, that's still the same. That's still with me.
1: It's different. <laughs> You know, it's, I hear people, you know, when they come and they, they talk about it, they say, you know, I have all these memories Mm -hmm. and I had routines with this person. And now I have to learn how to re, I got to relearn how to live without them. You know, I'm like, well, what do you miss? I just miss sitting at the dinner table. You know, I just miss sitting on the couch and the other person's in the chair. It's, they miss that sense of normal. That yes. they've lived with. It's true. It's true. We used to go
2: shopping, um, you know, once a week on Sundays. And I remember the first week I said to my son, I don't think I can go shopping alone. We always went food shopping together. We just liked that. That was part of our routine. And my son started going with me every Sunday. He probably did that for about two months till I felt like I could do it alone. And it was a big deal for me. Huge deal. So, um, yeah, and I think that we just have to accept that and not expect too much. We have to be kind to ourselves during this time. We have to, you know, really take care of us and and like a child, as I said. You know, I'm I'm doing this motion of hugging. That's what we need. We need those hugs. We need that special um, those people who will be there for us and hopefully you have friends and family who support you. By the way, everybody should realize the worst thing that anybody could do is not say anything or not call. People say, Oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. The worst thing to do is do nothing because that person feels like they have been completely obliterated and that their loved one never existed. So everybody should realize and know that it's better to at least reach out and say, I'm thinking of you. You don't have to say how you're doing. I'm thinking of you. You know, um, I'd I'd love to make you something. or I'd love to come over and just say hi or something. But when I went to an affair, maybe two months after, no, not any of my family said his name. And I was livid. I was very upset about it because he would have been at that bar mitzvah had it not been the fact that, you know, he had died. So I wanted somebody to say, you know, hey, um, I bet you miss, you know, Fred. Not being here or something, but people are so afraid they're so afraid to say something they're so afraid you know oh well she's gonna cry she's gonna feel worse let me tell you how much worse you feel when when you know <laughs> when they say nothing so that's a really important thing for all the listeners to know about
1: uh, friends and family I think you're I think you're right, because it, no, the feeling of isolation, the feeling of loneliness, the feeling of, I don't know, you know, I don't know what's normal anymore. I don't know what to do. If somebody can reach out and just say, the two strongest words are, so, I'm sorry, that's three words, but I'm sorry, yes. or thank you for letting me be here today with you. Yes. Oh, Ah, those yes. are... I mean, instead of thinking about the crying, you think about the hugging yes. and the sharing stories. Yes. And what's important is you start to lay down new memories yes. at, around the fact that the person isn't coming back. That's right. That's right.
2: And, in, and the process in creating your new life. And it doesn't happen overnight. And obviously you have to watch, you know, big decisions and just make sure that you're sort of together because, you know, the 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 initial knee-jerk reaction is, okay, I'm selling the house, I'm going to leave, I'm going to, you know, and you don't want to do that because you're not really ready to do those things. But it is a process. And it's interesting because people say by the second year, they're feeling a little different. You know, some some have already been dating, by the way. And that's another thing. Nobody should judge anybody. Okay. I've heard stories about how men, you know, date sooner and how come, you know, and then their children are all upset or family members, how could you do that? You know, she hasn't been gone that long. It has how dare they do that to somebody? You know, everybody's different. Everybody has different needs. That's why I love my book, because it shows how each of us responded differently to our to the
1: situations. Um, but nobody has a right to judge. Anybody. I think you're right. And people need to understand that grieving, it's really kind of a form of learning. You have to learn that the person is no longer there. And you got to figure out how to have a meaningful life with the presence of that absence. That's right. And that takes that's right. time. It does. it does. And I was thinking about
2: all the people, you know, like I, you know, my children and I gathered all the clothing and things and all and it was it was better for me because that's who I was to donate it and to, you know, move on. But there are people who still have things in their closets and in their basements and they just can't bring themselves to do anything about it. And you know what? As long as it's not taking up their whole lives, you know, because there's, you know, people, of course, use that as well. But um, sometimes it just has to come to a point where they are ready. Um, you know, again, there are degrees of being able to function. If somebody can't function at all, you know, obviously there's, you know, look, some people need individual counseling to get through some people need some grief work in a support group to get through some people just need time some people need just family and friends everybody's so different i mean the warning signs obviously are huge depression and not being able to do anything um you know anything obviously in the beginning it's even hard to wake up (laughs) it's even hard to do your daily routines and all but as time goes on you see you do, as you said, make new routines and you see that you know things are look, you know, you can be angry that the that the trees are still green and the sky is still blue, but you realize life really does go on, even though
1: you know your life is different.
0: But it well, does you're right.
1: I mean you're right. There's no right, there's no wrong way to grieve. You might be feeling sadness or disbelief or anger or guilt or, or even numbness. Or maybe all of those, but at different times. And I think it's people need to understand that what they're experiencing is a normal reaction. That's right. That's right. And the
2: people who say, and I love this one too, well, it's been two years already. Get over it. Or it's been five years. What do you mean you still? You know, it's, it's so unfair of people to do that to people. I mean... You know, they don't know how it feels. They haven't been through it the same way. Walk in somebody's shoes and really then understand. I mean, there are times where I still have this sense of loss, even though I have a great new life and I'm so incredibly grateful. And by the way, I was really lucky. The last words of my husband, he said to me, promise me you won't live alone the rest of your life. That's a real gift for somebody. That is a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so I didn't need to have guilt or anything like that. But you know, how dare anybody decide? Well, this is this is it. This is your time, and now you should be done. Nobody should do that to you or to anybody. You know, that's very unfair. And again, there are triggers. There are triggers where you might see something and you say, "Oh, if only such and such were here, they would appreciate this, or they would know this." Or they... look, I married uh, my my daughter got married. Um a year and a half after he died. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And yet I did an engagement party in New York I did a wedding in California. And, um, I don't know, you just somehow have the strength to say, Hey, you know, this is a happy thing. Um, I'm very sad. He's not here sharing this, but this is, you know, this is moving on. And, uh, very hard, by the way, walking down the aisle with my son and my daughter, very hard. That's where it really, really hit me. But you know, it was a beautiful wedding. And it was it was so lovely. Um, So You know, again, these things come in waves. I have three grandchildren and you know how I keep him alive to them. I say, you know, Grandpa Fred used to like such and such. And now they say to me, well, didn't Grandpa Fred do this? Or didn't he like this? And you know what? That brings such a smile to me. You know, that's really, that's how legacy
1: is. That's how somebody, that's how somebody stays alive with us. Well, you know, I find that so interesting because you have a partner that you've shared life with for for a few years mm-hmm. and you haven't let that say, okay, well, you know, that doesn't take away from what you had with your husband. And I think that's beautiful. You know what helps? Um, I think that a fellow widower who has also had a really good
2: marriage, um, You know, number one, we talk about it with each other. So it's not like we're threatened. It's, you know, we, each of our marriages are part of who we are and our lives. And so I think that, that loving each other well means accepting all the parts of our lives that we didn't even have together. I mean, 10 years is very different from 33 years or for him, 38 years. Um, So, you know, and you're lucky. When you and I'm very grateful that you can if I can find that again, um, and I and I you know, believe me, I'm really fortunate to find it again. The important thing, by the way, is not to compare because he's very different from my husband and I'm sure I'm very different from his wife. and that's fine and that's good, actually, because you don't ever want to replace. you're not replacing somebody. What you're doing is you're you're living your life and you have your new life that you're creating.
1: So very important. Well, I think, you know, when you stop and think about what the country has been through in the last Mm -hmm. year, Mm -hmm. the amount of just uh, unexplained deaths, just and, and there could be a tremendous sense of dread and negativity around that. And I'm sure for some families that there is. Yeah. And because it's it's when you think about the COVID virus, where did it come from? Yeah. That's yeah. not fair. I mean, I've had clients say that have done nothing. They have been the safest people I know. And they've they have been they've caught it. Yeah. And yeah. it's like why, Lee, how? You yeah. know, what, when, where. And the only thing I can say is I honestly don't know that's right and it's so arbitrary but you know what think about this life is really
2: arbitrary you know i mean my my mother you know running across the street and she was pregnant you know i mean arbitrary things you just now this of course is bigger because so many more people were affected i mean huge a pandemic is huge um and then of course lack of closure and all that um but again, it shows us that life is really precious and that you have to value. I mean, it shows what's really important in life. If people didn't realize it before, boy, it's it's really evident now. Those friendships, those relationships, um, boy, really important of uh, being locked together. <laughs> you see, I guess the best and the worst, you know, of people. Um, but you also have to appreciate life,
1: you know. Well, you do, and and when you think about it, technology has enabled us to communicate in all different kinds of ways. There's nothing more natural than walking up and putting your hand on somebody's shoulder and giving them a hug. And no, we're not going to be doing that today. Right, right. But you you can still connect
0: through a virtual.
1: You know, virtual grief group, or yeah. you know being on the computer to me sounds the opposite of healing. <laughs> but but <laughs> if that's one of the only options that you have, it can be very therapeutic.
2: Lee, let me tell you, every day, since and I used to visit my grandchildren in California every three months, okay, and they're young children. every day, I'm on duo and I play. I probably play for at least an hour, maybe more, and each child gets special time. And we do everything from Barbies to Lo- to Legos to uh, pretend things they call it human play. Um, and that time is really special. And of course they read to me and and all. And that, I mean, if we didn't have that, I wouldn't have any connection with them. So I'm grateful for technology, I really am.
1: I am too, and I think that as isolated as we've become, you know it there is some it has offered us some level of being able to stay connected. You know one of the things that has come up a lot when I talk with people about grief is prayer mm. and mm. that hasn't come up in our conversation mm.
2: yeah, um, so you know I find that people have different levels of faith, okay. Um, and people have sometimes more organized levels of faith, and they're quote religious, and other people are not so organized and don't have you know maybe an organized religion and I think it's a very personal choice it 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 isn't something that i um that I've really needed or identified with or something that's been part of me, but I know that for some of the people, my support book and all they've had huge amount of faith um somebody had lost not only her husband. But a couple of years later, she lost both sons. She has one daughter left who also contributed the book. And I thought, how is this woman ever getting through? Um, and she had a tremendous amount of faith. Um, and in between that, she had breast cancer. I mean, you know, just a lot of things happened to her in her life. And she's she remarried. Um, they have a beautiful relationship. So I think that uh, you know, well taken, I think that everybody finds what is comforting to them, and faith and prayer is, boy, do do whatever you feel is right for you, um, you know, even even at the end, people are looking to faith, and people are asking questions of our spiritual leaders and all, um, you know, we, we as a, again, you know, you go through the journey, and it's a personal journey, and you find out It seems to give you the most amount of comfort and what you need. And and you have to allow Mm -hmm. yourself your
1: needs to be filled in your own personal way. So important. Well, you do. And I know my mother turned to faith after losing her husband and then her son. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really that was part of her healing process. Mm -hmm. And I think that whatever whatever heals us. For, you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's faith, yes. whatever calms you down, whatever yes. gives you that feeling of contentment and joy, that's where you turn. Yes. What's right for me may not be right for anybody
2: else. Yes, yes. And some people, by the way, decide to do something like, you know, obviously I did the book. Some people start a foundation. Some people start some kind of cause. Um, I'm involved right now with an end of life doula who helps people who have been given a terminal diagnosis. And we have a YouTube channel right now called The Sands of Time, The End of Life Journey and Beyond. And we felt that this was a really good way of um, discussing different areas and different uh, situations and points that people would then identify with or be prepared for. So that's another way for us to, um, you know, to reach out to people. You know, again, technology, by the way. I mean, we are recording these YouTube uh, you know, videos and talking about these very sensitive personal topics, which really do need to be discussed so that people don't feel they have to do this alone.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah. If, if I could mention the two books again, just so that people are aware. Oh, the, of course. The first book was Pancreatic Cancer. It's a Family Affair. And the second one is Pancreatic Cancer, Families Move On. Um, And they're both on Amazon, but they're also on my website, which is www.familiesmoveon.com. And um, when people buy from me direct, I give half the money to um, the Lustgarten Foundation. When they buy from Amazon, I get some royalty and whatever I get, I send it over to Lustgarten. But again, they're the world's largest private funder of pancreatic cancer research. They're here on Long Island in New York. So those two books. Now, recently, I want to mention that three people asked me to send the books to people who had just lost their loved ones. Um, and they had not died of pancreatic cancer, but they felt that a support book like this about moving on with the with their lives would be very helpful to them. They wouldn't feel alone. And I'm really grateful that they recognize that it is support and that they can at least feel like they're not going through this alone. So the book has also done that for people and I'm, I'm thrilled about that.
1: Well, I think yeah. that one of the things that, that you've done for me today it's just helped me to understand that death is not an end. Mm-hmm. It's it's also a new beginning. Yes. And that's, you know, that's a mouthful. Because if you've just lost somebody yes. and you can't breathe, your heart, starts. every time you think about it, you get shaky, you get nauseous, you know, your eyes dilate, you have all these things going on in your body. It's hard to think about that. And if you're out there and you're struggling with Mm -hmm. those physical symptoms, breathe, just Mm -hmm. breathe, breathe into it, long, slow, deep breaths. And there's a number of apps that you can get to put on your phone. There's a number of things out there that can help you. But my final word is breathe. Mm -hmm. Lisa, we've got about a minute left. What's your final word? My final word is thank you so much for
2: giving me the opportunity to speak about this this is so important that people recognize that they're not alone and that they don't have to go through all this alone and a death is part of life and we need to celebrate life even when we don't have our loved ones with us anymore and i can't thank you enough for this opportunity lee to uh, to reach out to everyone and
1: hear this well, I appreciate that very much. And I just want to mention again that your husband's online memorial website, mm-hmm. what that mm-hmm. is, because for people that are considering that, it helps mm-hmm. to see something. So that is the internal portal. Eternal, E T E R, eternal portal. Yeah. Backslash tributes, backslash Fred Strauss, S T R A H S. Thank you. No, thank you for sharing your story with us and for being with me here with me today. My pleasure. Thank
0: you. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet stitcher iHeartRadio, radio Spotify